ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. We went for the biggest bloke in the team. They just went for the biggest bloke. It was easy, so it was uh, quite an easy selection. That is Wallabies coach Eddie Jones on why he selected Will Skelton to skipper the team in the upcoming Rugby World Cup. To say the squad had a few surprises is probably underplaying it massively. We will get into that shortly. We'll also lean right into football fever and look at how the Tillies can stop France to move through to the semi-finals. Gulp. Plus, your weekend forecasts for the AFL and NRL and, of course, sound bites. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. I feel like I'm counting down to Christmas, but there is one more sleep until the Matildas quarterfinal match against France. The nerves are settling in, the excitement is peaking, and Ned Hall is part of the ABC team calling this Women's World Cup. will be up in Brisbane for this one too. Ned, I want to start with the Matildas opponents first, France. They haven't lost a match all tournament. They have looked clinical against Morocco. What threat do they pose to the Matildas tomorrow night? They pose a, a, a big threat. They haven't lost, actually, since they played Australia before the tournament. So Australia did win that match. That was the send-off match for the Matildas down in Melbourne. Australia won that 1-0 and with Sam Kerr off the field. However, that's the only match France have lost this year. Other than that, they've done pretty well against some strong opponents. They have Le Tournoir in France in February. They beat Denmark there. They beat uh, Drew with Norway. Uh, they beat Uruguay there. They beat Colombia 5-2 in a friendly in April. And they also had a good win against Canada also back in April. All in all, they are a very dangerous opponent for Australia. Okay, so you filled me with dread. Now I need you to <laughs> pump me back up again. This is the good bit. How are the Matildas going to combat You know that sort of goal-scoring pressure that France is obviously bringing? Look, what, what Australia needs to do is is make sure that they, they get little things right in the game. They don't give possession of the ball away easily. France have been very good in this tournament throughout at winning the ball back quickly when they've conceded possession. So that's one thing that they have done well. And they've got some very good uh, attacking players in their side. Khadidia Diani and uh, Eugenie Le Sommer, who scored a couple against Morocco the other day. Manages to get the cross in. It's a great ball for Le Sommer. What a cross from Vicky Béchot and Eugenie Le Sommer. They need to be very sharp at the back, which Australia has done, incidentally. They've kept clean sheets in their last two games. First time Australia's done that through a, a World Cup. They are defending well at the moment and they'll need to keep that up through the, uh, the entirety of the game against France. Now, Ned, no conversation about the Matildas at the moment would be complete without me asking you about Sam Kerr's calf. She got some minutes under her belt in the win over Denmark. Talk to me about if slash when we are likely to see her in this match. I've been pondering this, as a lot of other people have, for, for most of the week, and I think it's a really tough call. What she showed in the 10 minutes that she came on, she added something different for the Matildas. Sam Kerr, peels away from the defender. Sam Kerr, bearing down on goal. Three days around, and right foot strike just over the bar. Well, the calf looks all right to me from here. No other players really managed to do that in the same way that Sam Kerr has. So she will be featuring against France at some stage. But does Tony Gustafsson start with Sam Kerr? And has she got 90 minutes, a whole game in the tank? If not, 
Does he play her for 70 minutes and then maybe not have her for 20 vital minutes at the end of the match when the game could still be in the balance and you'd quite like a Sam Kerr out there to pop up with a winning goal? I'd be tempted to start with the side that was doing the job against Denmark. Um, also, she didn't feature against Canada, so they did the job then. And you look at bringing Sam Kerr on maybe for the past half hour, potentially with a view looking forward. If Australia wins against France, there'll be a semi-final to play on Wednesday night in Sydney. It's a quick turnaround between games, so don't want to burn everything on this match. I think the more cautious approach, bring her on for half an hour at the end of the game when she can still make a real impact, that would be the way I would go. Talk about a super sub, Ned Hall. Thank you so much for your time. You can hear Ned and the team calling that match on Saturday live and ad-free on the ABC Listen app. Ned, these are exciting times. Very exciting times. Hopefully more exciting times to come in the next week. Some good news in the NRL because the players and the league have finally brokered an in-principle collective bargaining agreement nine months after their previous one expired. Some of the things being debated were working conditions, ownership and access to players' data and the allocation of funds to RLPA programs. It means the players' media boycott ended last night as well and Manly captain Daly Cherry Evans was pleased to see the players dig in and get a deal done. The players stood their ground for so long. This has taken a long time to get done and it's prevailed in what we believe is a great deal for the game, for the players. I think everyone that's been involved, in particular from the RLPA and the players side, needs to be commended and really proud of the efforts of everyone that's that's had a crack at it. On to the games. Potential grand finalists Brisbane take on last year's grand finalists Parramatta on Friday night. The Eels are in 10th, just one solitary point out of the top eight, with a couple of tough matchups to finish this season. So pinching this one would be a huge bonus. The Bronx will just be wanting to do what they usually do at home, and that's win. The other game with big finals ramifications is the Storm and the Raiders. Both teams are equal on points, so this match could be for a top four spot. Jerome Hughes and Xavier Coates come back in for Melbourne, which is a huge boost for the home side. Meanwhile, the Raiders bring in Ethan Strange. The mind boggles at all the fun the commentators could have with that. And you can hear that fun along with every other NRL match on the ABC Listen app. The Wallabies have released their squad for the upcoming Rugby World Cup and it's safe to say there are more than a few surprises. There's a first-time captain name, a former captain left out and 25 World Cup debutants. Ian Payton is a rugby writer with the Sydney Morning Herald and Ian, there has been some big talk from coach Eddie Jones about this World Cup. Yeah, we've got a bit of a smash and grab job so we need people who can do a smash and grab job. There's a beautiful jewellery store around the corner get in there, steal the trophy and get out without getting caught. This might be a tough question, but can you walk us through some of the bigger selection or non-selection surprises from this squad? Poppy, look, obviously the head is still spinning a little bit from Eddie Jones's <laughs> World Cup squad and we don't have three hours to walk through each of the surprising <laughs> elements from the from the World Cup announcement, but this is an in- inexperienced squad. There are a number of youngsters and there are, as you say, there are 25 people going to their first World Cup. To put that in context, a team like South Africa, 21 of their players are going to a second World Cup and nine are going to a third World Cup. So experience counts at the World Cup usually and most coaches will work diligently in the years between to to build up that experience and take a team who've got runs on the board. But Eddie has decided to throw all of that out. We want to change the team. You know, my job is to come here and, and change the team. 
and part of that is changing the leadership. You know, the underlying theme being that some of those old guys haven't got the job done and Australia has a losing record all over the place. Uh, we've only won six of our last 21 tests with the Wallabies and the Super Rugby teams. You know, they're sitting at around about 40% winning record. So I think if I'm trying to decipher what Eddie Jones is doing here, it's we are going to just take a bunch of kids without potentially the, the scars of the past and without some of that history and we're going to see what we can do with them now. It's a big gamble. There's a brand new captain heading into a World Cup and he's never skipped this side before, Will Skelton. What does he bring to the role and how much pressure now sits on his shoulders? Yeah, a fair bit. And of all the things that were surprising in that team announcement yesterday, seeing the little C next to Will Skelton's name was on the dais. Um, Will has only ever captained one team in his life. He's a pretty quiet guy. He's not a, you know, one of these types that is seen kind of delivering Churchillian speeches. The things going for him is that he is probably going to be one of the people that Eddie Jones will pick in every team. And secondly, comes back to that winning aspect. Will Skelton is he's a winner. He when he went overseas to England, he won English premierships and European Cups with Saracens and then he's been in France for the last couple of years and done the same thing with La Rochelle. So if you're looking for someone who's actually got experience of winning things, then Will Skelton is the only guy in that team with runs on the board. So that is what I suspect Eddie Jones has lent towards. But that's the fifth captain in inside a year. We had a different captain in each of the rugby championship games. So it's hard to give detailed answers about what Eddie Jones wants from Will Skelton as a captain at the World Cup because he may only be captain for the first game and then we'll see something new and then something new after that again. So <laughs> it's very hard to pin Eddie Jones down when it comes to figuring out what's inside his head. Eddie Jones was brought into this team with an eye for this upcoming World Cup. What does this squad full of young players, full of debutants, tell us about what he hopes to achieve or what he thinks this team can achieve at the World Cup and how worried should Wallabies fans be? I think it's unmistakable that he's putting together a squad that he can see being successful at the next World Cup. We think the young players are the players that are going to take Australian rugby forward. This squad's good enough to win this World Cup and possibly go on and win the next World Cup. You suspect that Eddie had one eye on the Lions Tour in 2025 and 2027 World Cup at home. As far as ambition for this World Cup, there is a pathway there for the Wallabies to, with a modest performance go into at least the quarterfinals and then through to the semifinals on the basis of a favourable draw. All the teams in the top five on the world rankings are on the other side of the draw. How it all plays out now after Eddie Jones is named a team without a great deal of experience, that's just another big fat question mark. All of a sudden, you've got a team that doesn't have World Cup experience and, and you're going back to these contests against Fiji and Wales and you go into them without a great deal of certainty, then you're starting to expose some of these youngsters that Eddie Jones has put in the back end of his squad. So I'm afraid I can't answer your question with any kind of great crystal ball, but fans will be uncertain, I suspect. It's kind of that's the uncertainty that, that Eddie Jones has thrown in with this World Cup squad, but it's a wait-and-see prospect, I'm afraid. <laughs> Ian Payton, thank you so much for your time. I get the feeling there is going to be many more questions than answers along this journey. It's going to be a wild ride. In the AFL, eight teams are trying to squeeze into four available final spots and you don't need to be a maths genius to work out that that simply doesn't go. So every game matters from here. 
First up, Friday night between Collingwood and Geelong. This match matters much more for the reigning premiers, for whom a win means moving into the eight, at least for now. But Collingwood can win and sew up top spot, as well as get their form back on track after two straight losses, including to 16th-placed Hawthorne. Wingard at ground level, got the hand pass to Lewis, who can go from 50 for another. It's party time with all. That was not good for tipsters. Saturday afternoon and Brisbane and Adelaide face off at the Gabba. Both need this for different reasons. Adelaide is pretty obvious. They win and they stay in the hunt. Lose and it starts to get really tough. For the Lions, they've locked in a top four spot, but given their below average record playing literally anywhere but at home, they'll be aiming for top two, which means a home final at the Gabatoire. Stakes equals high. Then Saturday night, we see Carlton take on the Ds at the MCG. The Blues probably only need to win one of their last three to lock in a finals berth. But after last year, where they missed out by literally one point in the final round, sorry Blues fans, they will be keen to do that sooner rather than later. The Demons are currently in second and would presumably like to stay there, but they will need to break Carlton's seven-game winning streak to do so. You can hear every game wherever you are, live and ad-free on the ABC Listen app. Time for sound bites now. Firstly, cricket, and to many, Marcus Stoinis is big puppy, the Stoin, the oil rig. To New York photographers, he is a muse. The all-rounder and his girlfriend were wandering the streets of Manhattan when a snapper stopped the pair and asked for an impromptu photo shoot. Do you reckon he got around it? Of course, and if you see the photos, it is giving real Ace Ventura pet detective. Hey, excuse me, guys. Sorry the body. My name is David. I'm a photographer. You guys look lovely. I was going to see if I can get you, like, a free photo. It'll be right here. It'll be quick and easy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Where are you from? From Australia. Oh, I love the action. Yeah. yeah. Can we get to over here? That's it. That's beautiful. You guys want to look at each other? Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Hard to believe the snapper had no idea who he was despite his stellar performances for the San Fran Unicorns. We know you have Tilly's fever, we have Tilly's fever, and Maddie Nix also has Tilly's fever. The Crows coach had this to say about the fact that his team is playing in Brizzy at the same time as the Aussies. Well, hopefully that takes away from the crowd a little bit because if I could, I'd be watching the Matildas as well. We feel it, Nixie. Big love from him. In the tennis, there was no love lost as Maria Sakkari and Danielle Collins clashed following the Greek hitting a ball into the stands. with a big stepbrothers shut your mouth vibe. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily produced by Kyle Hopkins. Thanks to the Tennis Channel on YouTube and David Guerrero for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.